0: So for this morning's message we would like for you to turn in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. You know what I forgot? I forgot our Bible minute. Maybe hey, guys, I think I'm a little bit hot in the room. Our Bible minute, so I'm going to go ahead and interject our Bible minute in our sermon. For those of that are listening online, you'll just have to join in with us. We've been talking about Just the books of the Bible, and so we have, remember it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are the law, the Torah, and then we're just going through just a little bit more, then we get into the books that some would call the history, it's Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. So we're just going to have the congregation say that with us just a little bit, and if you're listening, wherever you're at, you can join as well. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, the books of the law, the first five, the Torah, and then we have the history books. Now, there's more in the history section, but we're just getting warmed up. It was interesting to hear some singing the new Old Testament song of the books of the Bible. Now, we won't have the Bible minute every time in the sermon. We'll have it earlier, but we wanted to cover it now. And remember, we talked about the Gospels. In the New Testament, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the next book we said was Acts, and we're going to add another one, which is Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Gospels. The book of Acts is New Testament history. It talks about some of the things of the early church. And then you start the epistles, and the first one is the book of Romans, which is the epistle, which means letter, to the Romans. Now Paul wrote that particular epistle, but the other epistles are written by other people. And we'll get back to those at some time. So there's your Bible Minute, just covering some of the books of the Bible, um, some uh, help with our biblical literacy, just a little bit. Now for our sermon today, first of all, Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to each of the fathers that, uh, uh, today. And for our message title today, it is Men, Fathers, Stand Up. Now, you don't have to stand up in the room. Just Men, fathers, stand up is that message title. And we're going to turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. And uh, they're going to put it up on the screen for those in the room so they can see it. And uh, this is a prophet. The prophet Ezekiel chapter 22 now we're going to look at this we're not going to expound on all of it we're going to try to introduce it to you and set the context that this is which we're going to read is to jerusalem it's a prophecy to jerusalem and then we'll talk about when we get to about to verse 6 the scripture will switch into they're saying these are the things that israel are doing to you in jerusalem So this would be like the federal government, or the state government, but more of a federal government, imposing things that are happening in your city, in your community. When we think of Jerusalem, which is a city in Israel. Even today it's a city in Israel. But, these are those times. Then as we go through chapter chapter 22, verses 6 through 31, we're going to expound on the first part of it, um, as we read through it, we were going to break it down. And then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So let's, um, I think I've given you adequate time to find Ezekiel chapter 22. Let's begin a reading with verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is to Ezekiel, Now, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Referring to Jerusalem. Yes, show her all her abominations. Then say, thus says the Lord God, the city sheds blood in her own midst that her time may come and she makes idols within herself to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood which you have shed and have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. You have caused your days to draw near and have come to the end of your years. Therefore, I have made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all countries. Those near and far from you will mock you as infamous and full of tumult. tumult. Now he's talking again to Jerusalem. And you can think of your own community, or you might be mindful to help with your examples as we read through that. Think of some large city. It could be Columbus, Ohio. It could be New York City. It could be Los Angeles. It could be Chicago. It could be a city like that to get your idea of what is going on. Now let's break it down here. And he says, look. The princes of Israel, each one has used his power to shed blood in you. The princes of Israel, the leaders of your country. The leaders of your country, the princes, those in leadership, each one has used his power to shed blood in you. To cause peril, to cause injury, to cause hurt. And we can think about those Decisions by federal governments that have caused hurt and has caused injury in our communities. Verse 7, In you they have made light of father and mother. In your midst they have oppressed the stranger. And you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. In you they have made light of father and mother. And clearly you can see in the federal government today that they make light of father and mother, the roles of the the father and mother in society, but particularly the role of the father. If you can think about it, if you're a young man, if you're a white young man especially, there are some that telling you that you are the oppressor. You have been born the oppressor, and when you grow up to be a man and be a father, that you are growing up as an oppressor. That's not right. There are others in other communities, maybe you're being told that a father isn't important because they're celebrating the mother, I was raised, might be the saying, I was raised by a single mother, a working mother. The people that have to go through that situation and deal with it do have a great struggle and have a great challenge. But why does this have to be the norm? Why is it celebrated? Why does it seem as something positive? And you, they have made light of father and mother, of the roles. If you were to look at the statistics of those that have been committing mass murders through shooting, of those that are in the prisons, of those that are having issues in society, of those that are having mental condition, there is a very high percentage, a very high percentage, of them that have no father. You can look at the statistics of those that are incarcerated. or are repeat offenders of those things. They have no father. I believe the, the gentleman that killed in the school shooting was estranged even from his mother, and ended up shooting his grandmother to whom she was living. But they're no father. We have the people that want to talk about let's follow the science, and they compute that to numbers, and they'll send you all kinds of statistics. But if you look at the statistics and you look at the places where there's violence, and people are repeat offenders, and people are having issues, and people have depression, and people are having challenges, It's not 100%, but there's a very high percentage. They have no fathers. You look into the African American community today, it's much different than it was earlier in the 20th century when they had strong families because the fatherhood part has been eroded. We don't need the fathers, we don't need their masculinity. We don't need these kinds of things they need another mother or the fathers to be more like the mother or to be more like women fathers we need you to be men and a man stands up for those things the measure of a man is not just what successes he has the measure of a man is what he does when he fails how he responds to it how he takes responsibility for it we need that modeled in our communities we need that modeled in our areas. We need the men, fathers, to stand up. They've been making light of father and mother, of parenting in general. The school system knows much better than mom and dad. The federal government knows much better than your local government. The federal government knows much better than your state government. The leaders out of Israel, those princes have pushed down and said, and made light of father and mother. We don't need their roles. In your midst, they have oppressed the stranger. Now, this is interesting. As I read this, I thought about how many of you went on vacation, and you go to another town. And We talk about hospitality and things. You know if you go to another town, another city, someplace, they don't tax you like everybody else. You're a sojourner. You're a temporary resident. They tax you above what they tax everybody else. Because they want to get your money. They want to treat you differently. We're very greedy. Governments can be very greedy. And people even visiting, they don't tax things in the hotel. You have a special hotel rate. They might put special rates on your taxis. But they treat you with a special rate because they need the money. It's not about fairness. It's about greed. The tax goes is not about fairness. It's about greed. It's interesting, those that are talking about the greed of some are doing greed in themselves. And then it says, In you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. In you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. Whether they try to celebrate situations where adoption is possible, those that need the fathers and the mothers, The fatherless and the widow. The fatherless don't have anybody to aspire to, to protect them, to stand up for them, to do the things they need, and the widow doesn't have the, the man there. And They're like, we don't need a man. Ladies and gentlemen, I need my wife, and my wife needs me. But they mistreat the fatherless and the widow. They can perpetuate the fatherless and the widow by making it kosher, making it okay saying you don't need to have fathers we don't need fathers and by the way if you're only going to give adoption out to those people that are men and women married men and women if you're a religious organization and believe in in finding things for the fatherless and the widows and the orphans and you're trying to help them and give them adoption to Fathers and mothers, husbands and wife, that want to adopt someone, then you are bigoted and racist or whatever they want to call you because you think a a child should have a father and a mother. Not two dads, not two moms, a father and a mother. And this is coming out of Israel to Jerusalem. This is coming out of the federal government to the local communities. And as we read on, we will find other situations where it talks about this. In looking at these problems and these things, we need to think about what's going on and what do we need to do. And let me continue to read these verses and we'll finish through the rest of the chapter and then we'll get to a point. We will get to a point there in about verse 30 as we finish up verse 31. So let me just read to you. Now that you've started to look at this and you started to think about this, we're going to move from Israel back into the city itself and we'll begin reading and continue reading in verse 8. We won't be breaking it down unless the Lord shall leave. You have despised, speaking to Jerusalem, you have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbath. And when you think of Jerusalem, think of your community. And you are men who slander to choose bloodshed. And you are those who eat on the mountain. That means they're they're worshiping false gods. They're not worshiping the true gods. They've set God aside. Don't we see that happening? In your midst, they commit lewdness. That's sexual immorality. We have gay pride going everywhere with sexual immorality. Flawing everywhere. In your men, in you, men uncover their father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who are set apart during their impurity. One commits an abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. And another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. In you they take brides to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbor by extortion and have forgotten me, says the Lord God. Behold, therefore, I beat my fist at the dishonest profit which you have made at the bloodshed which has been in your midst. Can your heart endure or can your hands remain strong in the days when I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. I will scatter you among the nations, disperse you throughout the countries, and move your filthiness completely from you. You shall defile yourselves in the midst of the nations. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Can you realize and see how gracious it has seemed? At what point will God judge the United States? Has it maybe not already begun? But how much longer will he hold back? The word of the Lord came to me, saying, verse 17, said a man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze, tin, iron, and lead. In the midst of a furnace, they have become dross from the silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross. You're the offshoot. You're the part that you've you've lost worth in some sense. Therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as men gather silver, bronze, iron, lead, and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow fire on it. Can you see God like a, the bellows in, a, in, in, in moving the air to make the fire hotter? And tin in the midst of the furnace to blow fire on it, to melt it, so I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Leave you there and melt you. You don't want to mess with God. You don't want to mess with God. I see some of the perversion on places like Netflix, And now they're doing some show that they're coming out. I I just saw that come out about some boy that's 12 that realizes he's the incarnation of Jesus. He thinks he's the incarnation of Jesus. And they call it the chosen one. It's perversion. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire, of my wrath and you shall be melted in its midst by the way there is a show out there that's kind of biblically it's biblically based it infers some things called the chosen it's different than the chosen one but they go after the things to try to pervert things they try to take the rainbow the rain will that that noah was given the promise that god would not store the earth. Because of the wickedness. The wickedness. God brought a flood and wiped it out. And then he cast a rainbow. To say I will not destroy the earth again. They've taken that and appropriated it to their own perversion. So that now that we are even hesitant to put a rainbow on anything. Because we think we're promoting a lewd and perverse activity. Yes, I will gather you and throw you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in its midst. As silver is melted in the midst of a furnace, so you shall be melted in its midst, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. Indignation. Ign- 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 the conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law. Can you see that one? Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. They want anybody to be able to be ordained, to be able to preach to do whatever is against God and sin, and try to wear the flag as a prophet of a preacher of the gospel, that it makes everything all okay, but it takes the unholy. You can't take the unholy and make it holy. Only God can do that. You pervert yourself. Nor have they made the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar. They put it together. They plastered them with untempered mortar. They built a wall. You have people preaching and building churches that are hollow. They're built in their foundation. This untempered mortar, it's going to crumble and it's going to fall apart because it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying... Thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. I think of politicians using scripture to say what they need to do. They're not these prophets, but there's prophets that are allowing them to get away with it. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. The title of the sermon is Men's Fathers Stand Up. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Who's standing in the gap? Who's going to stand in the gap to defend? Because God's wrath is what you're defending against. Build a wall. God's looking. is God's judgment. He can't put up with it. But who's, who's trying to defend? Who's standing up for? Who's praying for? Who's standing in the gap? If you think of a City that's besieged with evil and it's besieged and the walls are kind of crumbled. He's saying, Build a wall. Defend the city. Do something to defend against my wrath, because God's holiness does not cannot tolerate the unholiness. He can only tolerate it so long. So a wall needs to be built. That's to do something. That's something to be on the offensive. That's what are we doing in our community to impact it, to be the salt and the light, how are we trying to change it? That offensive move to change it so that it rebuffs, holds back the judgment of God and who is standing in the gap, who is taking action to do something on the offenses to make those changes, to be that salt and light, to stand up. But stand in the gap. Don't give ground. See, by, by letting them overrun us with their immorality, we give ground. We give way. We open it up. Saying to God, listen, you need to come on and wipe it out. Because I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. And I'm not I'm not only not going to do something to try to impact and protect my city from your judgment to make them change their lives, I'm going to back up. I'm going to say, oh, it's okay. It's okay, this gay marriage is okay. Oh, it's okay for uh, whoever wants to be in the pulpit to be in the pulpit. It's okay for, for men to marry, uh, to want to get married to boys. It's okay for ladies that uh, fall in love with Toy airplanes. There's all kinds of perversion out there. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's a God of love. He is a God of love, but He's a God of holiness, and His holiness will not allow it. It's like, well, this is Old Testament. The Old Testament prophesied with Isaiah the coming of Jesus. Could this be one of these prophecies that Ezekiel is prophesying about Israel and about Jerusalem that is also for us as well? Some of the prophecies are that way. But can I tell you that one of the characters of God is he's not a changing God. He didn't like it back in the Old Testament, and he doesn't like it now. We need to be able to stand to stand in the gap and be able to do that. Men, fathers, we need to stand up. I think of another visualization that we think about of someone guarding the sheep. Someone taking care of her sheep, and fathers, that's kind of us. We turn to Matthew chapter 10, 7 through 11. I think of, uh, particularly of those of us that may have <coughs> children at home that are growing up and coming into their own. But in Matthew ten seven through 11, if I found the right scripture, I did not find the right scripture. I think it might be in the book of Luke, but the story I'm going to tell you Um, well I'm just going to have to tell you the scripture in the New Testament Jesus says he is the door to the sheep he's in the doorway protecting the sheep and in that visualization what I want you to think about is the rocks made into a fence and it goes all the way around but right here is a door right here is a door did they find it for me it's in John all right John 10 I was close John 10 7 through 11 Then Jesus said to them again, "Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Sheepfold, rocks around, something around, maybe back in a cave area, goes all the way around, and then there's this door. Who's the door? Jesus is the door. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We're told later about how husbands are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I don't think it's a great stretch as a shepherd visualization as a shepherd role that we have as fathers, as spiritual heads of our household are responsible to stand in the door to protect our young families against the onslaught of the devil. To help keep them in and keep them from going out into the dangers. To try to hold back the wolves and things that would try to get through and see, sometimes when you're standing in that, in that doorway of that sheepfold trying to protect your family, I, there might be times, there might be times that some of you, you see the danger, you know what's really happening, your family doesn't completely know. It's too much for them to bear. They can't see it. If you told them, you would scare them. Sometimes it might be too much even to tell your wife, but you know it's there. You know it's coming. And you're going to have it beating against you. And on the front side, you're going to take the scars. You're going to take the storm, and it's going to beat against your body. It's going to beat against your emotions. But you're going to stand in that doorway, and you're going to protect them. You're going to do what you can for that. It's like your city. That is your sheepfold. And you're going to stand there, and they're not going to necessarily know. And they're going to be like the Israelites or something complaining. They're going to complain about something, and, and you might not have a wife. But you might have a wife. She might not be a Christian. And she might be the one that's scarring you in, the, in your back. She's stabbing you even your back. She's ridiculing you and berating you. you. might, She might be like Job's wife in the midst of the trial and the difficulties. She just tells him to curse God and die. But Job didn't. So you might be having to stand and stand and the wind's blowing and it's hitting you in the face and maybe there's discontentment behind but you know that by God's direction you're standing where you need to stand and you just need to keep standing. Don't step out of the way and let them take over. It's your job to stand in the gap. Or maybe that's another picture. Your kids have gotten older and we look at Luke 15, 11 through 32. I'm reading some of these stories because some of you might not be familiar with them. Luke 15, 11 through 32. I'm not going to tell you all. I'm going to tell you this story, but this, that's the reference. Luke 15, 11, 32. It's of the prodigal son. It's of the prodigal son. The son got to a certain age, which happens. Our children get to a certain age. They come to the age where they're not in the sheepfold anymore. You've tried to prepare her the best you can. You've tried to prepare her spiritually and they go and they decide to do their own thing now some of them, like the older brother, they might stay around and they might choose the same lifestyle, the same worldview that you have or they might be the prodigal son and they choose to go out into the world because they feel that's better and so this is the story of the prodigal son where the son goes out and And he has a great time, but things don't work out. And he ended up feeding pigs, which was at that time something very dirty and unclean and a reproach. Which is funny because I, as your pastor, raise hogs. But at that time, it was not a wholesome thing. Verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. This is the prodigal son. And no one gave him anything. He had hit the bottom. But when he came to himself, when he came to his awareness, what did he remember? He remembered what it was like with his father, in his father's house. Maybe his father's rules. He remembered, he remembered. And he remembered how it was. He thought, I don't, I don't even have the right to be called a son, let me just come back and be a servant. But he remembered where dad stood. And where did dad stand? Dad's standing right next to God. Because the story is about coming back to the redemption of Jesus. But the child, the prodigal child knew where dad would be standing. Because dad had stood before. Dad had stood in that sheepfold, as it were, taking the blunt of it. Dad had stood before and all those kinds of things, so they knew dad would still be standing where they had left him. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The dad was where he was from before. Now dad might have been looking out the curtain for his child to come back. Dad might have been standing on the porch, or Dad might have been out on the lane in front looking, wondering when he was going to get there. Was he going to come back? But the dad was where he'd always been, and where he needed to be. He was right next to God the Father waiting to redeem. But he knew prodigal son. The prodigal daughter knew where they would be at because they were still standing where they was before. Are you still standing? Because what happens today is everything's said to be okay. Everything's said to be decayed. Now you can't go out there notice the prodigal, the father of this prodigal son wasn't chasing his, his son around beating him on the head he let him hit the bottom he hit the place where out of necessity he needed god but the father still loved the father was still in the same place the father hadn't backed up father hadn't just let him through the gates the bricks he cared about his community he cared about his family he was still where he was he was still standing And that still standing was the place of refuge for that prodigal to go back to. Men and fathers, stand up. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which with you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication and the Spirit being watchful to this and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me. And we'll stop there at the end of verse 18. Verse 13 again, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all done all, to stand. Stand in the gap, impacting your community, for God being the salt and the light. Be the door and the sheephole, protecting your flock from those that would do them harm. Be the father still standing faithful in the tenets of God where your prodigal son or daughter expects knowing where you'll be. Still protecting your other, the other siblings. Still obedient to God. They may have to go through the crisis of the prodigal may need to hit a wall before they become awakened. They'll know where you'll be, standing near and beside God, waiting with open arms, still loving. And but having done all, to stand. Men and fathers, stand up and keep standing. Let's be standing together. Father God, we come in a time of great wickedness in our country. We need fathers. And we need fathers to stand up. Some are out running around, not fulfilling their responsibility, having no father to tell them and model for them what they should be doing. But Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would get a hold of them, that they would be shaken, that they would hit the ground, they would hit the wall to the point that they realize that they need God. It might be a point of redemption to bring them back to you. Father, for those fathers that are raising young children, help them to keep standing. Even in the midst of wives that nag at them and in the midst of situations in the community, help them to be completely on fire for you. And Father, for those of us that have godly wives that bless us in many ways, may we be ever thankful and respectful. But Father, for those that are dealing with situations when they... They know that their children have gone out and are trying to determine their own things. Help us to keep standing. Do it in a way that's loving. Standing beside Jesus. Trusting you for the outcome. But Lord, help us all in our own spirituality that not be so focused on the country, not so focused on the community, not so focused on waving the flag around, not so focused on everything else but you that we fail to stand in our own relationship with you because that's where it starts in our relation with you standing with clothed in your salvation clothed in your preparation that we might stand and then standing with you we are standing with you in the gap we are standing with you protecting our flock we are Standing with you waiting for the prodigal. But we have to be standing with you. I pray to Lord that you help each father to find that place that they would be sold out to you on fire for you and that people will look to say they're standing and draw strength from it. We thank you for hearing this our prayer. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless.